What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another dope episode of Creative Conversations, where two artists just get together and just shoot the shit for a little bit. You can find the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just search Creative Conversations and you'll see my beautiful face. Just make sure you hit that five stars and follow the show so that way we can go up into the algorithm and everyone can hear these dope conversations that are on this platform. Now that that's out of the way, let's go ahead and get hype for our next guest. My very special guest is one of the dopest friends that I've had in such a long time. An awesome educator. He will definitely make sure that your kids know what life is really about. And at the same time, give them some inspiration so they can become the best human beings that they can possibly be. Give it up for the homie, Brandon Savoy. How you doing tonight, bro? I'm doing well, man. Appreciate you having me on. Beautiful oh, introduction, no, too. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's all you, man. Well, I don't I don't try to lie. I don't try. I don't try. I, you just let me know what you do, and then I can definitely show the appreciation right from the beginning. Appreciate you know that. I mean? So. No problem. We appreciate you and definitely appreciate you being on the show. Um, before we get into it, uh, tell the people a little bit about yourself. Uh, man, my name is Brandon Savoy. Um, grew up in Texas, so good old Southern boy, um, like my boy Brock here. Um, been teaching now almost 10 years, um, so I'm coming up on a decade soon. But first profession was a therapist um, for the military and my degrees in psych. So that's why I went the therapy route, but my minors in English. And so, um, you know, decided to get out of that career, move in education about 10 years ago. And I haven't looked back since, man. It's just been a steady climb up and I'm enjoying every moment of it, you know, ups and downs. Um, and especially right now with a lot of people quitting education and, you know, going and do, doing other things. But man, I'm just, I'm blessed to be here, blessed to have the job I have and to be doing what I love, you know. Yeah, man, that's important. We get we get really caught up in the rat race nowadays. And sometimes we, especially with everything going on now, it's hard to really love what you do. So when you have something that you can really cherish, even though it does have its challenges, it just makes it more worth it when you really see the brighter side of your outcome from the hard work that you put in. So uh, just a little background, everybody. Brandon and I met on xbox actually <laughs> we met through a couple friends and a few years maybe like a couple years after that we actually met in person when he hired me to shoot his engagement photos and uh it was just such a great time such a great vibe meeting uh his uh now wife and being able to just hang out with his family her family and we just developed a dope bond there and i got to really know him as an educator and though uh education is pretty straightforward oh you're teaching people different things like that whether it's you know grade level middle school high school college and beyond you still have to have creative measures in order to make sure that uh your students get the most out of the experience so that way they can succeed so that's why i wanted to have him on the show so he can shed light on the creative aspect of teaching and he was so willing to come on so thanks again man of course man anytime i already told you bro anytime you need me on uh any need anything you know i'm here as a true friend says as he should thank you bro and same goes for you bro anything anything you need so right now we need to learn more about you in the beginning of your process so uh usually in the beginning we always are kind of like pulling from inspirations so when it comes to getting into the profession what kind of inspired you to get into this side of uh your career 
Um, <clears throat> yeah, man, like um, for me, like I said, my first career was definitely not education. I was actually a, um, a child therapist. And so I worked with um, the Department of Defense and the United States Army National Guard um, and straight out of college. Um, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do in life. I was a grocery store manager at the time, and I tried to apply to be a hire manager. And they told me I didn't have enough experience. And and it was interesting because I had worked my way up from a bagger all the way to, you know, front end manager. And so to be told you don't have enough experience in something to like take it to the next level, just really um, <clears throat> put a fire under me. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, you know, if you don't want me here, somebody's going to want me in, in my actual profession. And so I took, you know, what I learned at that that organization and I went into the therapy side of things and um, did that for about a year, honestly, and then had a, a pretty interesting conversation with my supervisor at the time where he made a pretty racist comment about not wanting to have um, black and brown kids um, taking over his camp. Um, and essentially, if you know anything about the United States military, it is a lot of black and brown people that right. are our soldiers or sailors, airmen, um, Marines. And so to say that you don't want the majority of what makes up the military um, to have their kids come to our camps to be helped um, through the deployment process to get the mental help they need really spoke volume to me. And at that point, I was like, you know, this guy being a former elementary school teacher, I was just like, yeah, if he's teaching kids, you know, something's up. And so I have to go do something about it. And I, I'm a very actions driven person. And for me, um, anytime that somebody tells me I can't do anything or anytime somebody says something that I don't like, I'm like, okay, can I change this situation and can I change the outcome? And if the answer is yes, then I go do something about it. And that's why I got into education. And I was just like, if a former teacher's um, talking this way about, you know, people that look like me, I have to go encourage those same people to actually be great and be something. And I went to middle school um, and, and started teaching science, actually, um, mm-hmm. and digital arts. And I, I hated both of those because... Um, man, I'm not, I'm, I used to like those things, but in college I just had, um, a professor who was never really there. She was like always on book tours and stuff. And so Mm -hmm. I had to teach myself chemistry. And so in that I, I developed a hate for anything scientific related. Um, and so I was just like, yeah, I'm gonna go explore psychology. And then I ended up loving it. And, you know, after teaching for about five years in middle school, I decided that like, and this was after, of course, I met my wife. Um, I was I was ready for a, a new challenge. Again, the reason I moved out of middle school was because of a racist encounter with um, uh, a coworker that I had where, you know, he used the N-word, both N-words, the E-R and the A. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, it was like, Yikes. <laughs> it was it was it was a crazy situation, bro. And it was it was in, in the presence of a student that he was talking to that he did that. And it was one, one of my students who um, is was in my black student uh, alliance that I'd helped create. And for me, it was just like, I gave my ultimatum. It was like, it's either you, you do something about it and fire this guy um, and show me your loyalty to our black and brown students, or I'm, I'm walking away. I just can't be an organization that condones that type of behavior. And, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm in DC because they chose to condone it. And, you know, I had to put my foot down and I preached a lot to my kids that like, you know, if somebody's you know, wronging you, um, you have a choice to to either comply with that and and let it happen, or or to you know go against the grain and fight back, and and that was my way of fighting back, and you know that that brought me to my wife, that brought me to this the high school that I'm at now, and you know that's currently where I'm at, man. Like teaching ninth grade English, um, department chair or grade level chair, 
Um, mm. And yeah, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying it, dude. It's 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 been it's been great. So first and foremost, the fact that you were teaching yourself uh, like chemistry. Uh, no, because I remember being in school <laughs> and going into chemistry, like the first half of the semester was cool. I was like, oh, this is really science. All right, dope. You know, let's go ahead and mess with some chemicals. I'm hype. The second half, math and math is not my forte. So the fact that you were able to really comprehend and then teach yourself and then be able to say, no, nah, I don't like this. I'm just about to like skedaddle onto uh, psych. And it's like psychology is a whole nother beast in itself. And uh, the fact that you were able to also like get into that mode in psychology and then find a love for it is awesome because it takes this very special person to be able to really want to work with the mind in that way. And sure. uh, I, I know we had stories where you'll talk about some of your ex, um, experiences with your students and being able to really sit down and really understand how they think kind of sets you apart from the other educators that I remember back in our day when they just looked at you as a child and you didn't really know much, but you gave them a chance to really hone in on who they are and, and work on their personal development while being, I guess, the disciplinarian at the same time. So give me the aspects of having those types of relationships with your students and how you creatively, uh, I guess, uh, creatively develop those bonds with them. Yeah, man. Like, um, psychology definitely helps with that. Um, I think a lot of teachers are, uh, I'll say this. I think the reason that I've been able to climb the ranks in, in, in education, um, and get the accolades that I've achieved, um, of course is definitely all God, man. And then, you know, him allowing me to just find something that I loved in psychology um, because yeah. it kind of brings together science, which, you know, I still have a passion for because everything in this world is scientific related, whether we like it or not. But the mm-hmm. psychology part of it is like you get to explore the mind. You get to dive into like why people think the way they do, why they act the way they do. And there were so many different things that I learned in my psych um, cohort. Like, for example, and like we did a, a, co- a case study on Michael Jackson. In, in one oh, of my okay. classes and just like broke down like young Michael going into like old Michael when he, you know, had, you know, bleached his skin and, and, and changed his nose and, you know, became became this kind of weird person that, you know, a lot of black people couldn't really relate to anymore. Um, I mean, I could. I, I, I've always loved his music, but it was just like, you know, we broke down those different things. And, and for me, being able to take what I learned in psychology and to apply that to you know the kids that I work with now it's it's been a real help in helping me build those relationships because mm-hmm. like for me I learned a long time ago that like you can't you're not going to be everybody's favorite teacher and I've gotten to the point to where I I honestly don't want to be a kid's favorite teacher I want them to I want to be the teacher that they look back on and say you know damn Mr. Savoy actually really pushed me to my limit and because of that, I'm better for it. And I've been able to achieve things that I never thought I could. Like I have kids coming back to me today who were in my ninth grade English class who are now taking AP Lit, AP um, um, Language. And like just saying like, you know, this class is super easy because of how hard you you were in ninth grade. Mm-hmm. And I know this material now because you actually pushed me and made me do work rather than just letting me, you know, do nothing and get by with it. And so for me, that's what it's about. Like I, I could care less if a kid, you know, just loves me the most out of all his teachers and, and wants to bring me all the like snacks and candy and all that stuff. Like I don't, I don't, that's not the teacher I want to be. I want to be the teacher who like, I have students who text me now to this day saying like, you know, how are you doing? You know, you know, what's going on with you and your family? Um, 
make sure like before me and my wife got married, like make sure you invite us to the wedding, things like that. Mm. Like I have about a solid five or six kids that I still talk to from my first class that I taught. I talk to them on a, on a regular basis. And like, I know their families. Um, I know their siblings. Um, I know them as people outside of just education. And that's what mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here for. I'm here to build those life, lifelong relationships, you know? And again, with just a few kids, like if I, if I can reach, you know, more than a few, that's, that's amazing, but you're not going to be able to reach everybody, especially when you're, you know, in a servant position, like I am as a teacher, you know, you, you're not going to be able to just reach everybody. And, and that's something that you have to become okay with. And I think once you get that, then you're able to be more authentic with kids and they see that authenticity um, and they respect that authenticity. Um, and so I think that's where kind of like my relationship building comes in at. I get that. And then it's dope that you say that you don't want to be your favorite teacher. You just want to see results of good work. Exactly. Uh, I mean, like at the end of the day, kids are going to respect and and enjoy the results more than you just like being their best friend. That's kind of like, you know, we see parents wanting to be their kids' best friends and then there's no discipline, there's no guidance. And then you have, you know, a kid who's just like off the rails, but you have Mm -hmm. parents like, you know, our parents, like our parents wouldn't play in that shit. Like it was, it was a real thing. Like if you were messing up in school, you know, it was a problem. And, and and if the teacher called home, you knew what was going to happen. And so it's like, there's a way to build a relationship without just taking off all the training wheels and all the guardrails and just letting kids run amok. There's a, there's a routine to my classroom. There's a structure to my classroom and kids understand that from day one. It's not like, Oh, I get to do it the way I want to do it. No, no, no. We're going to do it the way it's supposed to be done. And then if I'm able to like release you a little bit more, I'll do that. But I'm not giving you just full reign and autonomy of the classroom to do whatever you want <laughs> right off the bat. Cause you don't know what you, you know, don't, you don't know what you're doing. Right. So when it comes to setting up those type of boundaries in your classroom, what does that look like? Because I know uh, there are different teachers who do it in different ways. But what does your process look like when setting up those boundaries in order to make sure that kids understand that there are rules and regulations for your specific class? Yeah, man, I always I start off with the syllabus. You know, I've I've actually shared my syllabus with you before and we've laughed about like (laughs) how how actually easy my class is if you just literally pay attention to what's on the syllabus and what we're doing because I outline everything for you like for me the cool thing about working at a school with the college prep tag associated with the name is that I can actually push kids to that boundary and 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 you know use the excuse of, oh, it's preparing you for college. Because of course, not every kid is going to want to go to college or go to college. But the fact is, if you're prepared for it, no matter what you face, you're going to be fine. And so right. I start with the syllabus, man. Like it's, it's it's straightforward. It tells them like the units that we're going to be doing. It tells them like what the classroom expectations are, uh, what tardiness um, gets them. And for me, like tardiness, like you get points off if you're late to my class. I don't I don't care if you have a pass or not. Like if, if you're not on time, it's an issue because at the end of the day, like if I show up to work consecutively late every single time, bro, like they're going to start taking, you know, money on my paycheck and kids have to get that because the world is not kind to them. And, and for me, it's not about like being, you know, the hard ass teacher or the rigid teacher where there's no leeway. It's about teaching you here's the game and how to play it. And in order for you like to, to be able to beat the game, you have to know the rules and the regulations of it. So Syllabus is where it starts. Um, I outline every single thing, man, from like the way we're going to like enter the classroom to the way work is turned in to the way like you have to have MLA heading on stuff. Like today I was going over, they have their first real paper due tomorrow by midnight. 
And I let them know, like, if you don't have an MLA heading on your paper, I'm not even going to grade it. I'm going to give you a zero. Ooh. And you're going to have a, a couple days to get that returned into me. And if it's not turned in, that zero is going to stick for the rest of the year. So it's like those types of things where you have leeway for it. But at the same time, like there's a deadline, there's an expectation. And if you don't meet both of those, then you just screwed yourself over. Um, and so, yeah, I just I, I make sure that, you know, all of my expectations are super clear. I always fall back on, you know, what's in the student handbook and the parent handbook because they sign those things at the beginning of the year. And for mm. me, the syllabus, the last page is like at the bottom, it's a literal do you agree to uphold these expectations in the classroom? Yes or no. And then sign. And if you don't agree, don't sign so we can have a conversation about what's unclear to you. And we can talk right. through that. But because I, and I always tell them, like, don't sign anything before reading it. And that's kind of, again, a life lesson, bro. Like so many kids get out here and get credit cards. I was one of them. I got to college and got a credit card <sighs> and I had to pay that, pay that back because I'm out here big money spending. You know, and, and thinking I'm big man on campus with the new forces and the new J's. And then, yeah. you know, you know, it comes knocking that I got I got this debt that I got to pay because nobody told me to not go just signing my name on that line for credit cards. And so mm-hmm. it's those small things, man, like that, that turn into like lifelong lessons that they'll appreciate later. And of course, they hate hate me now for it. But it's like, that's cool. I, I don't I, I'm in a competition right now to be the most hated teacher in my school because of that. I was like, I, just, I don't want you to love me. I want you to respect what we do, how we do it, and then the end result will pay for itself. No, that's true. And I, I mean, I just felt the zero for not doing the header in MLA for it, man. I was like, Ooh. oh, no. So, so many are going to get that zero <laughs> tomorrow night, bro. So many. No, oh, no. <laughs> I can't wait, bro. Well, it's, it's, it's great. Hey, I mean, you, you're pretty much holding them accountable. And it's like you have your destiny is in your hands. All you got to do is follow directions. Exactly. And I, I get that. Uh, it can come off harsh, but at the same time, they have all the answers. And just like you mentioned before, I definitely got a chance to see the syllabus. And I, I wish I could just send it to the people who listen. Because if you look at it now out of school, thinking like, you know, school was pretty easy. Life is pretty hard, whatever. Everything is lined out. There is no secret. You can literally get everything done in like the first two months and get it right later when it's actually time to do it. Yep. Yep. So I would probably not be that student to do that if I remember myself correctly <laughs> in high school. But <laughs> it would be nice to have that type of syllabus uh, and have a teacher to know that basically say, hey, man, this is just where it's at. Uh, and you got a chance to do it right or you can choose to do it wrong. Um I had that experience. I went through regular high school uh, and then I had to go to a high school called Open Campus to make up some credits uh, from like maybe like my 10th and 11th grade year. And real ones from Atlanta will understand and remember (laughs) where that was. Um, (laughs) But basically, compared to my original high school, you know, it was very much so. I guess strict without us knowing how strict and how babying it was mm-hmm. versus the teachers I had there, the system was, Hey, you have five and a half days so you can miss whatever, but you have to come back and make sure you get your work. Otherwise we have to pretty much double your work for the next day and you lose a day yeah. if you don't come back. And if you miss five and a half days, you fail the course and you have to do it over. Mm-hmm. And it was basically they gave you a choice to succeed or not. They wasn't like, hey, you have to succeed because we're the adults, blah, blah, blah. Sure, they're teachers. Sure, they're going through the motions of making sure that we get what we need. But at the same time, they left it up to us 
to exactly. succeed. And I and I like that approach. I know not every kid is going to be receptive to it. Uh, I was sitting in a math class and I had this math teacher. Everybody loved him because he was one of the hardest ones, but he was very effective. And I think you couldn't get less than like maybe like a 40 on anything. So everybody was like, oh, and everybody was signing up for his class, signing up for his class. And I was able to get a spot in his class. And I remember um, kind of backtracking a little bit. I used to work at a mall. I used to work at a shoe store. I went to the GameStop and I had like this conversation with one of my coworkers. Not one of the coworkers there, one of the workers there rather. And he just had a serious conversation. Hey, man, you're a senior now. You know, you're 18. There's no more play. You got to have a plan. It's the beginning of the year. Now you're going to see everybody kicking and laughing and wait till the end of the year and see what everybody's faces look like. And you know who was playing or not. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to that math class. I'm in there. I passed. A few other people passed. We just talking. This guy in the back goofball. Hey, man, you know, blah, blah, blah. Hey, man, my boy Brock, he going to be with me uh, next semester. And I'm like, nah, bro. I got my credits. I'm graduating. Now to the next person. Well, the homie here going to be with me, right? Nah, nah, I'm graduating. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm graduating. And he was literally the only one in the back of that yeah. classroom. And he started looking sick because he knew he had to be there for another semester. Mm-hmm. So going back to what you were saying about the children having a choice, he had a choice and he decided to squander it at the time. Yeah. So if you have that, like these kids turning in these papers tomorrow and not doing it correctly, you had a choice to do it right. And you had clear instructions. Yeah, bro. Like, and, and to be honest with you, so like, this whole week, Brock has been revising and editing. And kids mm-hmm. hate when it's like, oh, there's a process to writing. Like, we just do it and turn it in. No, 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 no. Not no more, you're not. Like, the first three days of this week, Monday through Wednesday, we're literally just revising. And I taught them what it was. And we walked through, like, about 10 or 11 different ways that you can revise a paper. Today mm-hmm. and tomorrow are about editing. And so, like, those small, like, the grammar, the sentence structure, the spelling, punctuation, capitalization. I told him, I was like, you have until 11.59 p.m. tomorrow night to turn this paper in. The class time today and tomorrow is yours. Now, what you do here is up to you. If you want to just talk the whole time, guess what? That's cool. What I'm going to do is I'm going to just go ahead and turn your paper in for you and then grade it for you. And that's the grade that you have because you chose to sit here and talk. And that means that you're done to me. And so you should have saw how many kids all of a sudden stopped talking, started doing their work because I'm like, at the end of the day, bro, like this is your time to actually work on the paper. I've given you feedback. I've let yeah. you know what you can correct and change. Again, you're the author. You can change it if you want to or not. But just know based on what the feedback I gave you, like it's a certain grade. And I showed them the rubric that I'm grading on. I showed them how many points off for like the MLA stuff for every every spelling error. If you, And we have an honors cohort this year trying to kind of get that that pathway to AP um, a little like, okay. narrower. And so in my honors class, I was like, every spelling mistake is two points off every one. So if that means if you got 50 spelling mistakes, I said, what you get? That's a hundred points off. Hmm. That's a zero then. Right. So it's like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on them because at the end of the day, man, like it's not about being an asshole. It's literally about like, there is an expectation and you can either rise to meet it or you can miss it. And it's up to you. Like I had a kid, I think I told you about this, the kid that like was in my 10th grade English class class last year. He Mm. failed so bad. He's back in my ninth grade English class this year. bro. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like how you fail that bad? (laughs) Like you go back a whole two grade levels. So it's like, and he don't even, he skipped class now. He still don't even come to class. Oh, man. So it's like, I'm trying to prevent that type of thing because those are the kids who are so far behind that they feel like it's not even a point to catch up. 
Sure. And so I don't want all the kids to fall into that. I'm just like, you know, some kids are going to do that though, man. It's just like, and then I, I, quick story. I called a parent yesterday about his, his kid missing class. Mm He's going to say, oh, that's my fault. I be, I don't set my alarm. I forget. Bro, what? (laughs) What? What? Your, your daughter ain't been to class, but three times since the school year started. We are almost (laughs) to October. And you said it's your fault because you don't set your alarm guy. And it's like, those are the parents and of the kids that I worry about. Cause it's like, bro, like they have no structure at home. Yeah. So yeah, man, it's, it's, it's interesting That's, to see what's going on with, with this generation of kids, bro. I mean, yeah, you're right. Because I know it, it's, it's definitely different. And I know we're going to sound like older and watched now, but it was definitely different back in our day mm-hmm. um, where we knew that there was like a huge consequence and we were actually afraid of that consequence of not passing. And um, I mean, we even had uh, not to say it in a bad way, but a little bit of shame. Like my mom was always a yeah. person to be like, you're going to look dumb sitting there with all the younger kids while your uh, peers are going off. So yep. if you want to be dumb, do ahead and do it. And I was like, hell no, nah, I'm going to be smart. <laughs> I'm gra- I graduated out of spite. I ain't going to hold you. So, <laughs> <laughs> but now going back to being the disciplinarian, being the person who sets that expectation, you have to have a certain relationship with these children uh, in order to make sure that they do succeed because they, you have to have some sort of connection with them in order for them to trust you enough to say, hey, you know what? Mr. Savoy is right. Mr. Savoy has my best interest at heart in order for me to succeed as a functioning adult once I graduate out of high school. So give me uh, a little bit of a breakdown on how you develop the relationships with your students. Um, honestly, man, it's like, so the cool thing about this school and actually the two schools that I've worked at is that there's like a, a, a place that we call advisory. We called it homeroom when we were, you know, in, in middle school and high school. Yeah. Um, but they take it to a different level. So like in advisory, um, that's like the first period of the day. And it's, it's only about 15 minutes. Now it used to be like 37 in the morning and like another 15 in the afternoon. But mm-hmm. that was a lot for kids, especially they ready to go home at the end of the day. We ready to go yeah. home. So it's like trying to rein in, you know, 20, 13, 14 year olds at the end of the day is a lot. So it's just 15 minutes at the beginning of the day, but it's a great time for us to check in with kids. So like, you know, good morning. How you doing? Blah, blah, blah. But also like, hey, you know, for me, my first question, like especially to my students who, you know, swore they hated me up and down when they were in my class, but keep coming to my classroom every morning to say hi and to see if I'm there. And then they be mm-hmm. mad when I ain't there. You ain't yep. never at school. Why are you absent? Where you was at? I'm like, didn't you didn't you say you hated me yesterday? Like, I don't get it. But you know, that's that's the beauty of it, man. Because it's like you can tell the kids that really understand you because the the discipline and the structure, whether kids say they like it or not, it ends up building that relationship for you because it shows that you care. You show up every day. You're consistent. Like for me, kids be like, man, you always on me. And I say, I'm always on you every day, right? Yeah, you are. I was like, exactly. So it's going to be consistent love. It's going to be tough love, but it's going to be consistent. Because again, I don't know if this kid's getting it at home. Is that my business? Not necessarily. If they want to tell me, cool. But if they're not getting that love at home, at least they have a consistent person who's checking in with them every single day. And after a while, that starts to click with some of these kids. And it's like, dang, like, Savoy really actually care. Like he the only teacher that really be holding us accountable. I, I hear this all the time. Like kids be like, you the only teacher that actually really care about dress code. You the only teacher that actually. Do-. I was like, because it's an expectation that my school is giving me. First of all, this is part of my job. Right. And then right. secondly, 
Like I promised you at the beginning of the year, I told y'all I loved y'all and I told y'all I was going to hold y'all accountable. That was the two things I said I was going to do. And I said it was going to be consistent. And so I'm not going to go back on my word, whether you hate it or not. I'm going to be on your ass every day. You're going to get this <laughs> stuff done and you're going to be okay. And at the end of the year, it's like, man, my writing's so much better now. I'm still misspelling shit, but it's better. I was like, exactly. Like, you, you're right. You you are still misspelling stuff, but like your subject step verb agreement on point. Like, you can at yeah. least, you know what a noun is. You know what a pronoun, like, you know the small things that you didn't know when you came in. And that's all right. I ask for my students. Like, just grow. I don't care how much you grow. I don't care which way you grow. Just mm-hmm. grow. Because that means you're actually trying and you're being consistent with your trying. And so, yeah, sure. man, like... I I honestly just feel like the structure that I provide, the consistency with my check-ins and and my, you know, my authentic check-ins, I really want to know how my kids are doing. Like that builds the relationship for me. I don't have to go out of my way to like be up a kid's ass, be like, hey, you know, you know what you did last night at home. Did you have dinner? I don't have to do all that because as long as I'm consistent with it, you know, that relationship, it comes to me. I don't have to do much work. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I've been told that I'm easy to talk to. Um, especially like kids just really don't think teachers have lives outside of the classroom. They just think, you know, I show up every day with a, with a town and it's like, that's all I do is teach, teach, teach. I was like, when I go home, bro, like, I don't, I'm not grading no papers. I'm on the game with my homies. Like I'm, I'm yeah. hanging out with my wife, watching YouTube videos. I'm playing with my dogs. Like I'm not grading papers at home no more. I did that in middle school. And then that was like the hardest years of my life were in Colorado when I taught middle school, bro. Cause I was like, sure. to be a great teacher. I have to make sure that I'm grading all this work before the next day. And I'm up till four o'clock in the morning doing that. I have to make sure all this is done. My lessons have to be perfect. Bro, teaching ain't perfect. People not perfect. And what I've learned is that like lesson plans are out the window once there's a fight in the room or once a kid breaks down crying or once, you know, anything outside of your scope (laughs) happens. And so you have to be okay with that. You have to be flexible with that. And so like Mm. the rigidity, I lost that. And, 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 it, and it made me a better teacher. And so, yeah, man, like that structure that I provide for the kids and the consistency is what builds a relationship for me. I don't have to do much work for that. And so like once kids see that and they, they get to know me, cause I tell them, like, mm-hmm. if you want to know more about me, ask, I'm not just going to come out and tell you what game video games I play. I'm not just going to come out and tell you that I play video games in general. If you want to, if you want to know, ask, like, that's how you get to know people. And that's another lesson that I'm teaching without, you know, explicitly saying I'm teaching a lesson. You don't, Closed mouths don't get fed. And if you're just sitting mm-hmm. back thinking, oh, Mr. Savoy is an asshole, you don't really know me. I mean, I am an asshole, yes. <laughs> but, like, I'm, I'm a funny asshole. I'm a troll. Like, you know, <laughs> hell, y'all hit on the game, bro. I'm crazy. That's but, true. like, you know, and, and kids don't know that until they actually get to know me. Like, I'll actually go back and forth and, and like, roast a kid in class. If you want to go, we can go. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to hold back. So don't get mad and don't start crying when we going back and forth. You can't say that. I say, well, you just said something. So it's like right. those like small little things, man. Like it, I, I feel like it helps me build that rapport with the kids. And like they, they love how much I check in with them, even though they act like they don't. They they do. But I had two kids come to my class today who swore up and down they couldn't stand my class last year. Mm-hmm. And they came in in the middle of their class. They took the pass. They come to my class. Hey, Mr. Savoy, how you doing? I was like, ain't you? Why y'all here? We just came to check on you and make sure you good. I was like, what? They're going to ask the kids when they leave. Do y'all like his class? They was like, nah. I was like, we nah. didn't either. But now we love him. We thank him for, I was like, y'all saying this? I was like, give me a hug every single day, bro. Every day. That's awesome. So yeah, man. It's, that it's, is awesome. It's that, the structure and stuff, it'll, 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 it'll change. It'll change them. 
Well, that's good, man. I, it's really, really dope to hear. Even though they feel like, dang, his class was hard. Dang, he was hard on me. It definitely struck a chord with them in a positive way that this person, though he was hard, I can translate that into being that meaning that he cared about me, that he really wanted to see me succeed, that he really wanted me to be on the right path. So that way I can be a functioning adult in this crazy ass world we live in. Sure. Um, so I, I'm, I know that's appreciated. And I'm sure if the parents are, you know, you know, as involved as they can be at home, I'm sure they see that as well. Yeah. And that just helps the dynamic of the household. And then those students can bring the lessons to the parents that they never thought about, because who knows if they had a teacher like that back in the day. Exactly. So that is awesome. But I know teaching isn't always sunshine and roses. You're not always going to have the best relationships with students, as you stated before. Um, but just from the educators level. Uh, I know there are hardships lately. I've come across YouTube videos, TikTok videos of teachers just leaving the profession due to different types of challenges uh, that they face to the point where they, they reach their breaking point. So yeah. um, from your perspective, give me some of those challenges that you face that some teachers feel like they can no longer handle. Um, you know, it's funny that you say that, bro. Like we actually just had two teachers quit today. <laughs> um, really? No lie. Like, uh, well, actually, one thing, one resigned at the beginning of the week, um, but one quit today. And she, the one that quit today had only been working there for six days. She came to replace somebody else who quit at the beginning of the year, bro. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy because, like, um, and I was telling my wife this when I got home, but uh, we had, like, this this random-ass meeting um, during my fifth period, which is my off period. And in the meeting, um, my, my VP of English and then... Um, our department chair, they were just like, you know, we wanted to just, you know, meet and just make sure everybody's good and make sure everybody's okay. And like here, you know, any grievances that you all have, so we can take that up the, the, the chain of command. And for me, I was just like, man, shoot, nothing, nothing is as bad as it was in Colorado for me, bro. Like this, <laughs> this is a cakewalk compared to, mm -hmm. you know, what I went through out there. Um, mm -hmm. And I see a lot of people out here, they're, they're quitting because, you know, teaching is stressful um, if you don't know how to um, compartmentalize. And I would say offload that kind of like work stress um, mm -hmm. when you leave the building. Like I've developed an amazing work-life balance. If it ain't done by the time I leave the building, it ain't getting done when I get home. I refuse. It is. Because when I was in Colorado, um, it was it was rough, man. Like I went out to Colorado, um, you know, just, you know fresh ready to be you know the most amazing teacher in the world like i said earlier like thinking that i had to do all this stuff and be a yes man and say all these things and agree to do all these things when in fact like i couldn't uphold any of those those bargains that i made i was falling short on a lot of stuff man like i was going back on my word because i was just too stressed out and tired um mm -hmm. and it was rough man like I, I the hardest part for me was the pay um and of course, you know, people will say all the time, like, we're not in it for the money. And and that's true. Like, as a teacher, we know that we're not going to be, you know, the, the best paid profession in the world. But man, mm -hmm. that that first year in Colorado, bro, like I was making more as a grocery store manager than I was as a teacher, bro. And I was in college Ooh. doing that. And I, so, yeah, like, I, to yeah, say that I, I have a degree and I'm teaching and I'm making less than what I was making when I was getting my degree and and, and being a grocery store manager was rough, man. Like I, I ended up evicted. I ended up, you know, with a car repossessed because I just, I didn't have the money and it was so hard to like, just stay motivated and stay in it. 
not not to mention like being the only black teacher at that school um mm-hmm. and having like the parents these white parents like wanting me to get fired because I was too black uh, wanting me to get fired because I was teaching their kids about um the new Jim Crow and all you know all these different things it's just like like what what is happening to where you know you're really mad that I'm trying to open the eyes of 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 people and it's like it's not like i was sitting there preaching like oh you got to go start a revolution it was just like mm-hmm. this is actual history <laughs> like this is this really happened like the new jim crow is about the freaking you know penitentiary system and and the jail system and how it's like unproportionately di- you know disenfranchising black people in black neighborhoods like that's real yeah. like yeah. teaching about the absolutely true diary of a, of a part-time indian talks about how native americans on reservations are like basically fed alcoholism and and all of these addictions because they have nothing and the government won't give them it. like that's just real life i'm not teaching fiction this this is nonfiction, and like these are books that you signed up to have your kids learn so i don't understand why all of a sudden because a black man is teaching these books when a white teacher was doing it, it was fine but when i started doing it, it was like oh he's it was a you know problem. he's he's doing this and he's doing that like and i'm mm. not i'm not fit to teach kids and what what are you what are your credentials how do you how Ooh. are you you know it's like all those different questions that i was getting and it was like bro colorado i would probably say my first 3 or 4 years there bro it was just rough i was just like why did i choose to come into the profession and be you know talked to like this to be talked down to like this and it was just rough man so you know what a lot of people are going through right now um is is nothing (laughs) compared to what i felt and what i've witnessed and what i went through when i was first starting teaching in colorado it was rough and so that's i guess that's kind of why i'm in the headspace that i'm at or in right now and it's like you know, when everybody in the meeting today was just airing on all their grievances, I was like, man, this is nothing. And I even say, like, I was like, this is a cakewalk compared to what I went through when I first started teaching. So, like, mm-hmm. I'm there to support you all and hear you all out. Um, I can't necessarily agree with everything because I just look at it from a different perspective. But I get it. I understand why people are quitting. I understand why, you know, people feel like, you know, teachers aren't respected and 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 all these different, you know, things that are being said. I get it. Um, and so it's it's tough, like to be a teacher, especially when you are in a district or a state that doesn't pay you a lot. D.C. Play, pays pretty well compared to, you know, what Colorado at the time was like 40, 41 or 42 out of all 50 states, like with teacher pay. So they were down at the mm-hmm. bottom. Um, and so D.C., I think, is like either number two or three, maybe number one now um, with that. Oh, wow. And so like. A complete, complete 180. And and so that's why I look at it as a different perspective, man. I feel like I'm super blessed to be making what I'm making and to have, you know, a lighter load of teaching, um, not as many responsibilities. Um, and to be looking at as an actual leader on, on my campus, like back in Colorado, I had literally a lot of titles. Like I was a leader for the entire network. I was leader at my school, um, mm-hmm. but I wasn't getting respect here you know, I, I finally got like a little title and like, I'm getting more respect than I've ever gotten. Like people, my, my VP is asking me to lead meetings, bro, for, for our department when she's not able to be there. And it's like, that never happened when I was in Colorado. And I was the freaking network content lead for all of the seventh grade writing teachers in all of our schools throughout the network. So Mm -hmm. it's like, it's complete night and day, um, out here. And so, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's difficult, but at the same time, like for me, I just see it from a different kind of viewpoint now. 
No, I feel that. And I know you went through a pretty unique challenge compared to some of the things that I've seen. And uh, on uh, like YouTube and TikTok, as mentioned before, you went through things that are very racially motivated. Mm -hmm. So for that definitely built the resilience for you to continue to deal with like difficult parents or oh, for sure. difficult students. Um, but I know that a lot of students or a lot of teachers just have their breaking points with students and parents mm -hmm. specifically. Um, briefly, give me some of those challenges that you would definitely see from other teachers that they, I guess, express when it comes to those parents and student relationships that are pretty tumultuous. I mean, for example, one of the teachers that, that resigned um, at the beginning of the year, that was a student who basically threatened her, said that he was going to get somebody to, you know, to, to lay hands on her. Um, oh wow! Because she asked him to do something. I think put a phone away. Like some of the kid, the some of the shit these kids like get mad about, bro. It's just like mm -hmm. y'all really mad about a, a phone that you don't even pay the bill for, my guy. <laughs> like when my teacher said, "Give me the phone." Like back then, we had to give them the phone, and we couldn't get it back until our parents came and picked it up, and they had to pay fifteen dollars yeah. for it. Like it was a fee. I remember that. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. It, it was a. It was some loopholes you had to jump through to get that motherfucker back. Bro. It, wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't just oh yeah, you know here you go and you get it at the end of the class. For us, it's like the teacher asked for it, give it to them. You get it back at the end of the class. If they have to write a referral because you want to be, you know, Miss Big and Bad, then the dean comes get it, and then I was gone for the whole day. And if it's a multiple. Um, issue thing every day, then it's going to be, you know, you're going to be on a phone plan where you got to turn your phone in once you enter the building to that dean and you don't get right. it back to the end of the day. And that's like for a week or two. So, mm -hmm. you know, she asked for the phone, kid didn't want to give it. Um, so she wrote the referral, whatever. And he's, you no, know, he, you know, threatened her. And so for her, you know, as a, as a, as a smaller woman, you know, she felt some type of way and she was just like, I'm not teaching this kid no more. Like there, that's, that's, a, you took it to another level to threaten yeah. me. On, on the smallest thing means that if it was something bigger, you would really go, go, go above and beyond. And so that's one thing, like not feeling like they are, um, I guess, backed by admin and the consequences okay. are upheld. That's a big mm -hmm. one for me, man. Like, I feel like if, you know, don't undermine my authority as a teacher, like, yes, you're admin. Yes, you get paid more than me. We get it. But you're not on the front lines. Like, you don't, you don't, you're not in the classroom every single day. You're not doing all the extra stuff. Um, like I am. So don't come into my classroom and try to undermine what I'm doing and, and the rules and expectations that I have. And so I've seen mm -hmm. that as a, as a thing for a lot of teachers as well this year, um, not being heard. Um, like if, if they request like a, a different position, like if there's an opening at our school, they usually do an internal hire for it. And so, um, some teachers requested a position and they were promised that position. And then last minute it was, it was switched for whatever reason, mm -hmm. I don't know. And so that drove some people to quit. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been, you know, those, those things that are more so associated with, um, upholding your word and, and what you said you would do to protect me and be there for me as my, my superior, my admin, and then going back on that to kind of like appease parents. Um, that, that drives a lot of teachers up a wall, no matter who you are. That's a big pet peeve mm -hmm. for me. Like, um, I think we were talking about this. Was it? It was during virtual. Remember when I had the um the parent who tried to start the cursing me out and stuff, and I had to um, let her know who I really yeah. was. Yeah, like oh, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't do that, bro. Like, don't don't talk to me like I'm your child. Like, we we both right. adults. I may look young, but like at the end of the day, man, like it's a mutual respect. And I like I told her, like if you can't talk to me like an adult, I'm gonna hang up the phone. You can take up this issue with my my su superior, and and you can you can do with it what you want. But we not about to have this conversation. And so it's things mm. like that where. 
we're seeing a lot of schools not have consequences for some of the actions that kids do. And then parents also not enforcing anything at home um, mm-hmm. and thinking it's cute when kids act out and, and get sent home or get suspended, things like that. It's just, um, it's not a lot of follow through and not a lot of backup uh, when it comes to those things. And I think so many teachers are at that breaking point to where it's like, I can go work somewhere else where at least they respect me as a person than work here where it seems like I have no respect and no power. Understood. And I mean, yeah, that's basically the baseline that I've been seeing constantly. Uh, basically, teachers feel like they, they don't have a hand or mm-hmm. like any or anyone to really have their back from parents to admin to students. They're getting hit from all sides. And it's like, well, what can I do besides leave? Um, but just like you said, there there's ways to develop that type of resilience. So that way you can kind of keep it going and keep the main focus on making sure these students succeed. So mm-hmm. when it comes to a new educator coming into the game, w- briefly give me like like a number one piece of advice that you would give them. That way they can succeed in their career. Um, I would say the one thing that I think that all educators, if you're entering the field for the first time um, or I would say not just for the first time, but if you're like going to a different um, level. So like if you're going from like primary to secondary, secondary to whatever, um, I would definitely say, man, know your limitations, but also know that you don't have to do everything people ask you to do. Like that's mm-hmm. going to save you a, a bunch of headache. It's going to save you a bunch of stress. Um, if I would have known to not be a yes man when I first entered this field, bro, it would have made life so much easier because, you know, as a new teacher, you want to come in and you want to prove yourself as a team player. You want to prove yourself as a, as a, person who understands their pedagogy and pedagogy just a fancy word of like how you teach um and knowing mm-hmm. that you like are good at your teaching um and mm-hmm. so like i think for me that's what was my downfall or like not my downfall but my like breaking point of needing to switch and, and do something new but like saying that i have to say yes to every single thing to make me look like i'm capable of it and and like i'm an educator that knows what he's doing um not not being that way, man, when you enter inner education is gonna save you a lot of a lot of stress for sure. So you're a little more fastidious about what that looked like for everyone else versus yourself. Exactly. Yeah, I know big words too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, you do know big words. You be in a party sometimes I was like, oh he using he using SAT words today. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you know, I, a little bit, a little bit had to had to flex just a little bit. No, but I get that, man. And that's really good advice as well. Just making sure that you pace yourself and understand that you need to set boundaries as a teacher and Mm -hmm. it's okay to do so uh, in order for you to succeed. And then actually people will respect you more, too. Uh, So you are actually able to leverage your your abilities as a teacher and your experiences as a teacher into a podcast that you have for a few seasons called Woken Shit. Uh, And I really like the aspect of uh, educators getting together to just, you know, kind of shoot the shit on different things they like. So uh, for us, give us like a brief um, description on what that podcast was about and what did it do for you? Yeah, man. Um, yeah, we had a brief little, you know, little stand in the podcast and where it was uh, myself, um, co-worker at the time, Taylor and, and Mati. And Taylor was teaching social media ethics at the high school. Um, we had like a joint campus. And so I taught in the middle school. She was in the high school. And then mm-hmm. Mati was um, coming on as a college and career counselor um, for the high school as well. And so um, the incident I spoke about earlier where 
Um, I had a coworker in my middle school um, say the N-word to a student. That student was um, one of my first students that I taught in sixth grade. Um, I taught her in sixth Mm -hmm. and seventh grade. And so I knew her and her family really, really well. I actually talked to her yesterday or the day before. But um, her and a couple of her friends who I also know very well and and talk to on on a regular basis... They just they need a space to be able to be themselves as as black women, black um, African women. They they're from um, their families are from Africa and their first generation um, African-American. And so um, they were growing up. They were trying to discover what it looked like to, you know, be African-American um, and, and the children of immigrants in, in an America that didn't care for them and, and like them and want to see them succeed. And so right. we would have conversation after school just randomly. Um, and then, you know, when Taylor and Mati joined um, the, the the campus as staff, they were started to come to those conversations. And then it grew into Black Student Alliance. Um, and so from there, once the meetings with the students were over, we would hang back um, and just, you know, talk as as Black professionals at a school that was mostly white um, professionals. And we would talk through like a lot of things that we saw, things that we faced, things, you know, scenarios of how we would act if somebody did something crazy and how we would pop off on them. And we were like, you know what, we should record these conversations because I'm sure there are other black professionals in these spaces that that have these same thoughts, that have these same ideas. Um, and so that's kind of how the podcast was born. And man, yeah, we we, we started off with just talking about everything like from from pop culture to educational practices to uh, family dynamics to interracial marriage to all the different things that you know black people talk about when they get in in rooms by themselves and are able to just let their hair down and Mm -hmm. yeah it was Mm -hmm. it was just a great um situation to be in um i I won't say that it's ended necessarily it's it's kind of on pause um, sure. They they are both like in some different transitions of their lives, um, and and I guess I'm moving into one as well. And so you know mm-hmm. we just we just haven't found the time to reconnect. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was an amazing show while we were you know on a schedule doing it. It was fun. Yeah, man, I definitely it was definitely a feel good show for sure. For like just talking about uh, politics to your favorite movies and music, you guys really had a really cool connection in regards to just not just being educators, but just being good friends who just shared that type of career, uh, being able to just explore that the mindset of these teachers and also show people that teachers are real people, just like as you stated before, how students think that you're just at school. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. So I really appreciated that show. And I'm glad that you said that it's not necessarily just over just yet, but you guys are just in a transitional period. Mm-hmm. And I know with that being in a transitional period, life really happens. But as you as an educator, I know you do have something else cooking up within your transition. So tell us what is next for Brandon, man. What do you have cooking for us, Mr. Educator? Uh, yeah, man. Um, we got a baby on the way now. Um, hey, yes, yeah. yes. So baby girls do any, any moment now, actually we're in week 38, so she can pop out anytime. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about this before I'm working, working on a book. Um, trying to just figure out, um, what I'm writing about, man. Like as a teacher, um, I mm-hmm. hate to write, but I love to write. Like I, I find myself just, 
you know, writing down random things. And the cool thing about teaching is, and one thing that my students also respect about me is that like, I don't ask them to do anything that I'm not doing myself. And so like when okay. they write a paper, I write the same paper. When they do revising and editing, I do it too with my, my own paper to, to kind of show them the process and how that works. And, mm-hmm. and so, um, you know, in, in doing so, I've kind of like, decided like, oh, you know, I'm writing these different things. Like what would that look like in book form? And so, I'm just, you know, jotting down ideas. You know, I, I feel like it may end up being like a memoir type thing. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, man, we just, I'm just working on on that. I got a, got a couple chapters down now, and you know, just just having fun with it and not taking myself too seriously, and and not you know putting myself in a realm to where it's like, oh, you have to do this, um, or your right. legacy won't be solidified. Um, it's just, you know, it's a project, and you know, if if I like it, and I, and, you know, my wife likes it, then I'll put it out. If not. You know, it'll it'll live there until you know maybe when I'm when I'm going on to meet the Lord, um, they can put it out and release it from my estate like they doing with Tupac music. You know, they just it just keeps coming out with albums, bro. It's just like he got so many unreleased yeah. tracks. So you know, yeah, man, it's just that's kind of like where I'm at right now and just enjoying being married, enjoying um, just living life, man, with with the person that I love and you know hanging out with my friends when I get a chance and being on Xbox with y'all and yeah, man, it's just life is good, bro. It's real good. That is a blessing, man. I love hearing that. And of course, whenever you have your rough draft ready after, of course, your wife reads it. Uh, definitely send it to the kid. I would definitely love to check it out. Give you some points. Uh, I'm no writer, but I do love uh, research. I do love looking up things. I do love reading. So definitely, um, I'm definitely down For to sure. check that out. So and uh, I, yeah, man, I don't I don't really know what to say. Uh, outside of I'm proud of you, bro. Uh, you have come a long way from the challenges from Colorado when you first started teaching and understanding the type of man that you needed to be for these students to moving to D.C., meeting your your wife now and building that strong relationship and being the example that these kids needed to see uh, and honing in on your teaching skills, making sure that you build these relationships, but at the same time, have these kids understand that life is not a game and that they truly have someone that cares about them enough to make sure that they teach them the game. Brandon, with everything in my soul, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing, uh, shedding some light on the teaching game with me, bro. Hey, man, I appreciate you for having me. You know, we, 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 we've come a long way. We met on Xbox, like you said, and bro, it's just blossomed, man. It's like, it's not too many yeah. people that can meet um, on a social kind of platform and then end mm-hmm. up actually becoming, you know, real friends in real life. But no, man, for sure. Uh, and I, of course, I always appreciate our friendship and the fact that you taking the time to speak uh, with your friend on here. I love you, bro. Definitely want to continue to see you grow. Can't wait till the little one is born. Uh, and you know, I'm always there when you guys need the photos, bro. So I appreciate that, man. I love you too. I was actually thinking about, I was like, hey, when we do baby photos, like, how are we going? Because I searched up um, your name to find the notes in the email. And then it came up like with the whole, um, when you came out to do the pictures with the flights and everything, yeah. I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember that." Yeah, so yeah, man, it's like I said, bro. It, it's 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 crazy how the friendship has grown because, um, yeah, it's like we 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 it's like we've been knowing each other for for longer than we have. It hasn't been true. I don't even think it's been has it been a decade yet. No, not yet. Yeah. It's probably been maybe half. Yeah, man, it's about like, five years. Yeah, it's like we've we. It feels like we've known each other for for a lot longer, and so like it's it's rare mm-hmm. that you find those people that you just bond with and and, and can like sit down and have a conversation with. Um, because that that's rare, bro. Like I tell kids all the time, man. I got the same friends that I've had for a long time. I don't I don't usually just add new people, and so you one of those people that like 
it feels like I've known you for years. Um, and it's just mm-hmm. a blessing, bro, like to have people you can talk to like that. So for sure, I appreciate this opportunity. Oh, man, thank you so much, bro. That that truly means a lot to me, bro. And I feel the exact same way. Uh, and on that note, we're just going to end it on love, people. That is another dope episode of Creative Conversations. Again, you can find this show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Search Creative Conversations. You will see my face. And when you see my face, click on my face. Click on the title. Click on the five stars and click on that follow button so that way we can keep these conversations going and we can reach the masses. Thank you again, Brandon, for being on. Until next time, stay blessed and always stay creative. Peace.